Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick, and it's time for this week's Friday Morning GM with co-host Voss Laricos. Voss, how are you doing? Doing very well, Ken. Looking forward to this huge divisional round matchup coming up, coming up this Saturday against the Texans. Uh, playoffs, I think, went pretty well for the Ravens in the first round, but this is a big game. They, uh, they have not played a conference championship game in 187 regular season or postseason games. So it's been a while. Okay, and and they haven't played a, a conference championship game in Baltimore since early 1971, after the 1970 season. Actually, I guess it might have even been late 1970. I don't really know when they played that one. Wow. But in the in the last one, George Blanda came in after being the the star of the 1970 season in terms of a whole bunch of comeback wins off the bench, replacing Daryl LaMonica. And he, uh, uh, you know, the Ravens gave him a loss. It would have been, you know, perfect for that to happen to Joe Flacco as well. Would have been a, a kind of a cool story. I know a lot yeah. of people kind of upset he's out. I'm kind of also happy that it's not the Browns. Honestly, I agree. I think the familiarity with Lamar Jackson can be an advantage for opposing defenses. So I was hoping both of the divisional rivals were not were knocked out before they made it. Now, we talked a little bit about weather before, and I want to ask you about this kind of upfront here. The, 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 the Ravens have had some extremely variances of weather through the years, but the thing that's been in, more in common is that the, the horrible postseason losses have both been in good weather. Uh, mm-hmm. largely good weather. It was, it, was high, it was a high wind game for Tennessee, but it was generally good weather. It was in the 60s, I believe, and it was in the 60s in 2006 as well. Right. It was just a beautiful day that made it way easy for Peyton Manning, whereas in very bad weather in the Mile High Miracle, Peyton Manning froze his aging noodle of an arm off, mm-hmm. and that became very difficult for him, whereas Joe Flacco proved, proved to be extremely wind-resistant as a playoff quarterback. Give me your impressions on who would be more impacted by the kind of weather we're supposed to happen uh, have on Saturday. Well, I would say, um, you know, when it's a windy game, teams tend to run a little bit more than they pass. It's sort of an interesting dichotomy here where the Ravens have the best rushing offense versus the Texans' second best DVOA rushing defense on the other side. So, strength on strength, the other side, it's sort of a weakness on a weakness, uh, 4.9 yards per carry. For the Ravens allowing third worst in the league versus Houston is, uh, you know, I think they're 30th DVOA or in that yeah. range. Yeah, they're um, terrible. So the Ravens also have the advantage in the kicking game on clear conditions. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say Stroud probably is a little bit better deep ball than Lamar. Um, so I would say it probably favored Houston a touch. Okay. Well, that's, that is unfortunate. Stroud having played at Ohio State. Uh, certainly has has had a little more in terms of bad weather games. What I meant to do before this show, and I didn't didn't get it done, was to go check and see what Lamar's record was in games under thirty degrees. I don't he, I don't think he's had many of them. This might be the coldest ever. He that Atlanta game, which was the coldest ever in Baltimore last year, was actually Huntley winning at quarterback mm-hmm. to put the Ravens into the playoffs. Um, I'm trying to remember if Lamar's ever had a, a, a really cold game, but most of the super cold games. We're in the early Harbaugh era on the road in the playoffs in mm-hmm. places like New England and and um, uh, uh, Denver. So uh, sure. even even Kansas City, I think, was pretty cold the one time. So anyway, it can certainly get cold out there. Yeah, I think um, you know, I guess kind of dovetail into that conference championship topic, if you like. The nature of the sport is, you know ready for all conditions, ready for anything, modern-day gladiators. Football players are modern-day gladiators, my dad likes to say. Um, so it's a little bit against the spirit of the sport, I think. 
Um, some people say it's not fair because, you know, they have to play in the snow, they have to play in the cold or the rain. Well, both teams are playing in the same conditions. And if you're going to be a champion, you should be able to overcome any condition. Um, but I think there is – sure. But I but I do think there's some pluses and minuses to potentially uh, making the conference championships essentially a bowl game. Yeah, there, there's some big advantages financially for the league, which is why I think as much as I hate the idea entirely, I think we're probably coming to it. It really screws fans locally because mm-hmm. they'd be moving this game to the south, potentially to Europe, you know, potentially to another market they're trying to develop. Imagine if they did it in Beijing or something. I mean, it's not <laughs> even impossible to imagine that they'll, they'll start with, ex, you know, preseason games there and. And other things, they'll start with a regular season game there before they do this. But if they really want to build international appeal for the game, they'll take some big game like a conference championship and play it there. And think about what that does for for fans who want to travel to games. I mean, your, your sure. typical fan doesn't even uh, take an airplane to the game. And, and if we're talking about Indianapolis, they think, oh, well, that's a, that's about you know twelve hours in a car, whatever it is. I don't know how far it is, and I'll just drive that. You know, we're lucky. We live in a southwest city because every NFL team is within two hours of a southwest airport. So you, mm. you, you know, there's a big advantage for for, for traveling sure. for football. Um, and, and, you know, it, it would really reduce that. It would greatly reduce the number of people who could go to a game. And, you know, we, we know there were a lot of people in London, a lot of Ravens fans. So we know, you know, you, you get some international Ravens fans, you get European Ravens fans. That's that's terrific for them. It's terrible for Baltimoreans having to travel to London for a game. I agree with that completely. Um, also, probably detrimental for the teams that are tra- per, uh, perennial um, conference championship yeah. teams, such as Kansas City was the, the four or five in a row. I think they hosted and five in a row, and, and they get a, a larger share of the local revenue than the other teams. I think the other big thing that would be counterproductive or detrimental is the lack of home field advantage just from the uh, game experience perspective having fans that are invested in the team is much preferable to you know you see in march madness um you get there and it's it's a wine and cheese type of crowd and, and i don't think that's really uh would be as enjoyable for uh, for fans or the telecast or anything Definitely a bad thing for a season ticket holder. I mean, you, you know, one of the things you you hope, even though for a lot of teams it's just a lottery ticket, is is that you play some home playoff games. And yes, it's true if you're a a Bucks fan is a bad example because they, they they made it last year. But if you're a Carolina fan, your chance mm-hmm. of even playing any home playoff game is is pretty limited. Um, but you still want that hope. And, yeah, and you should be rewarded for what you've earned. Yeah. Well, I'm in the, I'm in the same place. I would really hate to see them do it, and yet. I think that the, the gravitational pull towards this is so high. The opportunity for sponsorship is so great, and the and the opportunity to grow the league is so great. I don't see how they end up avoiding it, even though I, I think it's I just absolutely hate the idea. Yeah, I think I think you're turning in that direction as well. All the more impetus to uh, to see if the Ravens can host that one this year before uh, you know when the opportunity is available. Yeah. All right. Um, some roster moves for the Ravens this week and, uh, and quite a fair amount of roster activity for this mm-hmm. time of the year. But we saw Pepe Williams finally go to IR. His IR ends his season. He, he cannot be back in time for any Super Bowl or anything. He's only got, he's, he has to miss two, uh, four games and he can only actually miss two. Um, so he's, he's done for the year. Um, Gordon released 
Now, Gordon is a weird case because he can be back. They can they can re-sign him to the practice squad. I imagine they will. They made other cuts on the practice squad, including Jeremy Lucien again, um, mm-hmm. to make space there. So pretty good guess that Gordon will be back. Um, I heard there was a little bad blood maybe with the uh, with the departure of this last time. So I'm not sure. It's uh, it's a business, but you know you practice with the team all year. You finally make the team, then you're in the playoffs, and then you say, uh, "All right, see ya." Uh, I don't know. I get there. I'm sure if they call him, he'd come back. The question is if they want him back. Right. Let's say they do need one other guy they can really go to during the playoffs there because, you know, even with only three games, there's a pretty good chance to lose a running back during that time. And they'd have to go get somebody. I, I don't know who it would be um, at this time, but they, they would really have to go get somebody. Uh, I don't think I, I don't think Owen Wright is a guy that they would uh, no. elevate for, for, for this purpose. Um, now the guy they do have on the practice squad is Dalvin Cook, of course, and and the question comes up is is do they elevate him for the for any of these postseason games or just go ahead and sorry just just elevate him as opposed to actually bring him up to the fifty three? So I believe he has been promoted as of this recording. I believe he was promoted to the fifty three earlier today, and I think they made the calculus that if you had three open spots on the fifty three, including Laquan Treadwell, who was also waived. Mm-hmm. Um, your two game day elevations potentially become more valuable. You can you can maybe put more players you want on the field for the game by promoting Dalvin to the fifty three and reserving those two call ups for maybe other practice squad players. Well, they have three guys who are supposed to be returning. They're in the middle of their window, so I guess Andrews is not ready, and that that's a bringing Cook up to the fifty three is an indication to me that Andrews is not going to go this week. And I, th- I I was getting that anyway, but Washington, uh, you know, Ardarius Washington should be mm-hmm. in that group. Um, and I don't know if he's if he's ready or not. But I mean, the, the indication if you're cutting somebody like Pepe, if you're putting him on IR, is that he is ready. And then they, then you have Devin Duvernay, and I think you know he brings a lot of speed that is lacking in this defense right now. Really, has been lacking since Mitchell left. Now Hill has has you know taken up a, an absolute workman like burden, but. They really do need another gadget guy to avoid using mm-hmm. flowers in that role. Mm-hmm. I do expect DuVernay to be promoted. So essentially, Dalvin takes Gordon's spot. Mm-hmm. DuVernay takes Treadwell's spot, receiver for receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the uh, Horton, Horton or Hewitt, I always get them confused, the special teams coordinator. He did say he, he will DuVernay will have his return man job back when he reenters the lineup mm-hmm. uh, because he had it, he earned it. He's an all-pro former all-pro return man. Um, so then it leaves one spot, the Pepe spot, and I think we're expecting Mark Andrews, and I wouldn't be shocked if he does make an appearance this week. He apparently was sleeping in a hyperbaric chamber. He had full practice now, two days in a row. Um, he could he could get the call up, or even if they put they could put him on the 53 and still deactivate him this week. At some point, you got to use him. Use all your 53, but it does leave you short at cornerback. It really does, and especially at defensive back as a whole. It was already a thin group. We now have the CB1 not practicing all week. We, we've been short safeties for a few weeks now. We touched on that. You're losing Pepe, and you're not saving a spot for, for Darius Washington or JAD. Uh, maybe there's another lever to pull here. Maybe another player gets waived next week. Um, I, would, I would think maybe maybe the, the third or fourth quarterback. Yeah, that um, 
that's conceivable. Um, certainly, I think Tylen Wallace has been on the injury report. We need to get to the injury report in a minute or, or so too. But we didn't also probably mention that JAD is out until at least the Super Bowl. But he is another long-term potential replacement. So if they got any more thin, it's just I, I would hate to go into a. I would hate to have the thinness at corner exposed in a playoff game, in particular against any one of the four remaining, your three remaining quarterbacks in the AFC. I agree. That's a big concern for me right now with uh, with Marlon. I guess we can get into the injury report. Marlon has not practiced since he was injured on that special teams play. Uh, maybe I thought John Harbaugh, Eric DeCosta did a masterful job of managing snaps and workload at this year. That was a mistake, I thought, to have. That was the game. First of all, Marlon's been in and out of the lineup with injuries all year. He's one of your crucial cornerstone guys. And that was also the game that Brandon Stevens was unavailable due to injury. They didn't need him out there trying to block that field goal or extra point, wherever it was, where he had his calf rolled up on. Other than that, the Ravens are pretty damn healthy. Uh, Jadavian Clowney missed Wednesday with an illness, returned on Thursday. I believe Delshawn Phillips, Malik Harrison, uh, may be limited as well. But it's a pretty clean injury report with the exception of Marlon Humphrey, who's a very important player. Yeah, it, it's uh, it is a big deal, and it has been several weeks now um, that the, uh, um, the Texans had been having some of their pass rushers take a day off during the week because they're all dealing with some form of lower body injury. Um, I think they're mostly ankles, um, mm-hmm. and so they're trying to keep them all off the field. But uh, Jerry Hughes is now the only one who's left on there. He's a veteran who's really their number four guy. Derek Barnett came in, um, has been absolutely. Uh, Home wrecker uh, mm-hmm. uh, in the in the time he's been uh, with the Texans, and of course they have Willie Anderson and um, uh, and Grenard, who are, have been terrific this year, and uh, and are uh, um, you know taking some days off. It seems every week, almost like a Ronnie Stanley treatment for for those two. Yeah, apparently Anderson has been playing through a high ankle sprain. There was some optimism in the Ravens' flock on Wednesday that maybe uh, they weren't going to have their full complement of pass rushers. But on Thursday, as we record this, they returned to practice, and that is um, you know a matchup to watch. Houston has the fifth best pressure rate in the league this season, and we know that the Ravens' offensive tackles have been somewhat inconsistent. Yeah. Definitely, definitely an area they they really need to scheme around that. Um, lots of opportunities to do things. I mean, I I think you get you get some of those players frustrated, and the Ravens have had some success with Miles Garrett in particular, but others as well, in terms of getting them to run themselves out of plays. So pass rushing is tiring to start with. That's one of the things that you know you always hear from any ex pass rusher, and you, they always need to say, "Oh boy, there's nothing more tiring than rushing the passer." But it's it's truly much more. Um, Effort has to be put in and getting by a large man that has to be put in blocking one, you know, mm-hmm. as from from the tackles perspective. So I, I I believe that, and it's it's very frustrating to a to a uh, pass rusher who's going all out and trying to 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 get a pressure on a play to be beaten on a draw to his side because he at, ran himself out of that play, and I, uh, hopefully that's something the Ravens can do some of in uh, in in this week ahead. Yeah, it's going to be one of the keys to the game. Um, Houston had a pretty good pass rush in that week one game. So uh, I think that and, and covering Nico Collins, third best yards per target in the league this year. Those are the two without Marlon Humphrey. Those are the two kind of um, X factors, I would say. Yeah, they're they're big factors. I'm actually I'm really unconcerned about the Ravens giving up deep passing. This is exactly what the Ravens are built to stop. I, I'd be more concerned that the Ravens run defense maybe gets a little leaky. 
um, under bad conditions. But I'm even I'm, I'm not even really concerned about that because we'll have Hamilton back. He'll be a, 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 they'll use him probably just about every down in the slot against either a big um, opponent or to try and help the run defense. So you really have a seven, six and a half man box, we'll call it instead of a six. And he's a, he's a hell of a additional half man there in terms yeah. of run defense. And, and I think that the, the Ravens potentially would do very well here. The, the big place where the, where the Texans are terrible is on both interior lines, a terrible mm-hmm. interior lineman on the offensive side and on the defensive side in terms of, of dealing with the run. They've had, they had a number of injuries on the report, all three, Inside linebackers were out yesterday, I believe. So mm-hmm. uh, we had Collins. Uh, sorry, not Collins. Not Malik Collins. Who am I talking about? Uh, Cashman. Cashman. Um, and, uh, uh, Perriman. And, and the third guy who was Christian Harris. yesterday. Christian Harris. Christian Harris from Bama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He had to pick six last week, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, you know, I think it's, it should be a good game. But the defensive linemen are now fresh with a couple weeks of rest and recovery. I think that run defense is just a numbers game. You can mm-hmm. you can stop any run deep, you can stop any rushing attack if you do good numbers to it and if you don't then you you can allow them to run. Interesting fact I uncovered working on an article this week for Baltimore Beatdown. Ravens four point seven yards per pass allowed is the best mark since I want to say the two thousand and nine Jets. Okay. However, their four point nine yards uh, allowed to the run is the third worst in the league. Uh, so they're actually allowing more yards per rush than pass in 2024 or 2023, which was a, a pretty a pretty interesting uh, paradox there. Hey, guys, I want to tell you about the Eufy Video Lock because when I'm not podcasting, I am. My day job is a smart home specialist, and the Eufy Video Smart Lock is Perfect. This is what you guys need to go get. It replaces the deadbolt on your door. So now you can come home without fumbling with keys. You can just type in a code or even better, use your fingerprint to unlock. After one second, you put your finger there, pops out, my door's open. It's perfect. It also is an integrated video doorbell. We've all seen the video doorbells. We all know the ones that are out there. I've seen many of them get stolen. No one's going to steal this because it's your door lock. It's impossible for them to steal. There's no monthly fee. Other ones do. But this one, it'll record locally, so you never have to pay if you don't want to. The battery, it lasts up to four months. Plus, it notifies you ahead of time. And I mentioned earlier one-second fingerprint recognition. No, I meant one second till it opens. The AI self-learning chip will learn your fingerprint even faster, and then it opens up. Completely keyless entry, no more keys. And I know I set this up as I'm a smart home specialist, but anyone can install this. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. That's it, and then you're done. Guys, I love this product. Make sure you check it out. Now, here's the easiest thing to do. Just go on to Google or whatever you prefer and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-I. Y video lock or visit ufiofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door just like me, just like Ken. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I have them at only 4.5 yards per rush allowed. That number seemed kind of high to me. Um, now, that that includes Neal's. So if okay. you take out Neal's, it could be 4.7 or something. I have actually have that in my other spreadsheet. I'm just going to take one second and do this. I know that's always really bad radio to do this. Now, 4.6, including the okay, – so it's bad, but they've given up an extra basically half yard. And the point I've been making the, the, the entire season is basically that's a design choice. So you build a stadium. Some of the seats have to be disadvantaged in order for you to get in more seats. Got to think. This is, this is one of those choices, and they've been a r- remarkable – pass defense has taken everything away the passer rating the last five weeks where they played good quarterbacks so toss out the pittsburgh game where they didn't even have their great personnel but the five weeks before that they played herbert stafford lawrence purdy and tua Mm -hmm. on passes of 15 plus yards opposing quarterbacks had a 47.5 qb rating so they take that away even from good quarterbacks and they will take it away as needed from stroud i think they'll be better if, if he dares to throw it there and there's going to be some underneath throws and we'll see how that develops into, into bigger plays, whether there's some tackling issues or whatnot in the secondary, but they've been extremely good at taking away the deep pass. Yes. Yes. And I, that's a choice that I would make a hundred percent of the time. Yep. Def, definitely uh, allow them to you know, even Bill Belichick, uh, even in his days at the giants, he, yep. he, he would design a game plan to force the other team to run because it's not as efficient or as uh, dangerous as, as past. So I think that's a great way to go about it. I hope they continue that. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's keep going here um, and talk about the peacock situation. This yeah. is something that I think pissed off a lot of people, not only because it happened, but then mm-hmm. because NBC decides to celebrate it on the regular network TV the day <laughs> after. <laughs> just like, we're, we're just fresh from having to pay $6 for nothing. <laughs> and you, and, yeah. Uh, and then you tell us this. Not well, you know, I think it's getting ridiculous. When they first started the, cutting the cord, I said, oh, this is great. You can have a custom program and you don't have to pay for what you don't want. And you, and you pay for what you do. But now it's, you know, you need to have Amazon Prime for – Thursday night and you need to have something else for the London games and you need to have this and that and this and that. And it is, you know, getting ridiculous. The amount of different streaming services you need to watch a full season. It almost seems like probably a few, 10 years from now, they're going to want to consolidate it again. Uh, It's a money grab. It's a money grab. I don't necessarily blame NBC for saying, let's force this upon the public because it's probably the marquee playoff game of the week. I saw this graphic, and I want to say 98 out of the top 100 most viewed television programs in the year 2023 were football. Yeah. So it's a captive audience. It's really one of the only places where somebody will sit there through a commercial. Um, so I don't know. I, then again, these TV contracts are what's financing the rise in the salary cap and players earning more than they ever had before. So it's capitalism, but there's got to be a better way to do it than have eight different streaming services. Yeah, it's, it's something that would make it easy. I mean, I, I'll tell you one thing that was really pissed me off about is the change away from DirecTV. The, the change, DirecTV was a fantastic one size fits all shop for getting all your football. 
And my entire house is kind of built around direct TV and, and being able to watch <laughs> seven games at once in our living room. And, and it's the, it's, it's, really pissed me off they took that away and now it's a big project to redo that with computers to do youtube and 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 whatnot Mm. it just it's it's uh i know nobody's really gonna feel sorry for me for that exact thing but it but it is one of these things that i'm just i'm really pissed off about it doesn't you don't consider the fans investment in all that before you make a change like that that really impacts people um you know a lot of people have direct tv setups in their house i'm not the only one so um kind of kind of pisses me off about that well, yeah, and it's just confusing. Uh, you know, my mom's calling me at three thirty. How do I get this channel? You know, I'm walking her through how to how to download a streaming service. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, I don't know. I guess at least it's a month to month deal instead of you got to pay for a whole year just to watch one game or something. Let's save save this last topic for just a second because we did have one mailbag question come in. It's from Lyman's Backpack at Lyman's Backpack who says, um, "Why did did the Ravens sign Dalvin Cook to the roster?" when they had enough practice squad elevations to make it through the playoffs. It is a legitimately excellent question. I didn't even expect it to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hearing it for the first time from you that it actually happened earlier today. Um, uh, why? I assume that they, so if you have three open roster spots, um, maybe that was the best use of, of one and, and two practice squad elevations per game, they mm-hmm. figured we're going to have Dalvin on for all three of the, or all of the God willing postseason games. And the other two call-ups we're going to rotate between Josh Ross and maybe a couple other guys. I guess that's the calculus that they made. Sometimes they do things that aren't necessarily the wisest, shrewdest maneuver to kind of give the player a little bit of, uh, you know, goodwill, whether it be, uh, you know, what do they bring up? Uh, ben Mason, he was one of the P-Squad P- elevations where they didn't definitely didn't need a second fullback. They could have used that other places, but they kind of reward players that way, and maybe they've been impressed with what they've seen from Dalvin in the practice field. Could have even been a condition, I guess, of the signing originally, and they're and they're fulfilling a promise here. It just does not seem like, like smart football to do it. Um, the other guy who's, who doesn't have any place on the field in the postseason, but has taken up a spot on the 53 is Malik Cunningham. And, you know, that's, that's a guy that I, there's just no reason at all to not find a way to, um, well, if you could find a way to get him a small injury and, and, or designate him with a small injury to IR, that would probably be the easiest and cleanest way to do it. Or big Sala is another one that good, hasn't good, been, good call. You know, I think when there's a will, there's a way. If if worse push comes to shove, somebody can step on Salah's foot and he can go to IR and DaCosta can find a way to get another player we need up to the to the dressed out. Yeah. All right. Now we had a, 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 another article from our friend Gordon McGinnis at PFF, who who uh, you, you sent to me and, and had one unrestricted free agent per team. You go ahead and set this up. Yeah. So he's basically IDing one. I don't know if she's saying this is the best possible use, but just a, a fit, a match. And uh, and his match for the Ravens, somewhat surprisingly, was Oda Buckham Jr., uh, considering all the UFAs they have and all the players are going to leave. And his big um, you know, point to make was that Odell's 2.28 yards per uh, – rece- I'm sorry, what is it? Route run. Per route run. Route run. <laughs> Lost, couldn't follow my own shorthand. Uh, since week six is the 12th best in the league. Um, he also has uh, Matabike going to Detroit, Geno Stone going to Green Bay, 
Jadavian Clowney going to the Rams, our old friend Hollywood Brown going to the Browns, and neither Patrick Queen or Kevin Zeitler are listed as uh, you know one of the top 32 fits. Um, so I thought that was worth discussing, uh, the, the prospect to bring an OBJ back and whether that would be – I don't think he's the highest priority, but I don't think he's the lowest either. Yeah, I, I I would agree. I mean, I think that you know, in a, in a, an environment where there's money is going to have to be eye droppered out. You look at him, and he's had relatively few snaps since he, in the in the time Gordon is mentioning. So his high for snaps since week six, which is the time given, actually since week five for that matter, is only thirty eight. So he says they have not played him a lot, and that's I think been one of the things that benefited him. The first game against Houston played fifty nine snaps. Second game he's down to thirty nine. And every game since then, the, the highest has been 38 and a low of 18 snaps. So he's been – it's really – they've had him on a pitch count. It's actually been a very similar pitch count. A lot of these games has been exactly 35 to 38 snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's they've, they've kind of decided about how much they can get out of him. 2.28 routes yards per route run. Let's kind of put that in context. Each team has five eligible receivers. Okay. So that yards per route run, multiply it by five, you can get a yards per pass play – projected out now receivers get a slightly higher share fullbacks for example get a much lower share in terms of yards per hour on running running backs as well um but if you can get 2.28 out of one of your receivers that's terrific um in terms of that that has been the big surprise of odell's year has been yards per target has been Mm -hmm. much higher than at any time after i believe his first year in the league he's been close to nine yards per target eight and change and that's been a that's been a big big plus for the Ravens to, to get that kind of production out of, uh, out of OBJ. I do think it comes with strings attached is that you probably have to plan to spend him a lot next, but I'd be at a point where I'd say there is an amount I would pay to have Odell back. And I think the way they structured it is good. They're saying, basically, if we can come up with a deal by X and such a date, then we'll do it. And if we can't, then uh, we appreciate you restructuring and doing some void year manipulation that'll allow us at least to move some cap around. Yeah, I think that was a very good way to structure it. Beneficial for the team, multiple ways. You could kind of keep him out of the out of the bidding more in the first wave, and then come back. Um, so, I think maybe Gordon, his overall point is might be that offense is more valuable than defense. I think we did see that play out in the, the uh, wild card round, where you have the Browns. Um, who are the other two? Let's see: the Browns, the Cowboys, and the Steelers were all top Miami, six. Though. In defensive DVOA, and they all lost. So uh, I think that is, you know, the, the the only team. So those are the top three, of the top six. The other three are San Fran, Baltimore, and the Jets, who Jets didn't make the playoffs. But I think it is an offensive-driven league, and I would say that looking forward to the offseason, even though you might have some bigger names or homegrown guys on the defense, you got to make sure that receiving core stays at a championship level. Yeah, it is. It is a way to bring somebody back that can probably help the team. I think if if you if you want to bring Aguilar back, I'd be fine with that too. Hopefully, it wouldn't be a lot of money. Um, I cannot afford a bunch of mid range contact uh, contracts at wide receiver, and pr- you, you might still be in a position where your second pick needs to be at wide receiver. I think you know we've talked about this ad ad nauseum almost, but the first pick almost almost. I, I think. Okay, it has to be. It has to really be a guy who can play left tackle, not one of these. Oh, I think he could play left tackle. I think he'd right tackle. He could even play guard if he needs. Well, no, don't give me a guy who can play guard. I want a guy who's <laughs> no doubt about a tackle. You know, so, right, right. Um, 
unless an apex pass defender, whether that's a lockdown corner or a really monstrous, you know, down lineman, can't miss guy is there, I would definitely go tackle first pick. Yeah, and this is not a place where the Ravens in particular would draft a BPA at some positions. Like, I don't see this as being an interior offensive line pick, even if they right. like the guy. I do not see this being a safety or a running back, certainly, uh, or an inside linebacker. I think, that, you know, even if they they found their guy, even if they lost the let queen go and whatnot, I think Simpson is going to is going to get a trial um, yeah. at least a platoon on that weak side. So I think I think we're. We're looking at those exterior positions. The ones that impact the passing game are, are going to be the ones that they look at. Yeah, Simpson, uh, I don't know if we touched on it, but yeah, he looked pretty good down the stretch, better than I anticipated. Yeah. yeah. So they, they, it was interesting. Uh, in his article, Gordon had a couple other guys listed. First of all, he has he has uh, T. Higgins as being a great fit for the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I thought was great. Cincinnati Bengals, he has Dalton Schultz being a fit for them. And the Cleveland Browns, interesting enough, Marquise Brown yeah. back with Cleveland. What do you think about that? Yeah, um, I think they could probably use some help at receiver. Um, Cooper's getting old. Elijah Moore was banged up. You know, Hollywood Brown's not a number one receiver, but I think he's one of the better number two receivers in the league, and that's what he should be viewed as. And I think he got a little bit of a of a bad reputation um, for the way things ended in Baltimore, but he's he's – you know, a high-end number two, for sure. One of the top 30, 40 probably receivers in the league. Yeah. you. I, I don't know if you mentioned it before, but they have uh, Justin Matabike to the Detroit Lions is one yeah. of the ones that he has. Uh, and Geno Stone to the Packers. Uh, and let me see if there are other, any other ones. Kansas City Chiefs are Chris Chris Jones. They, oh, here, uh, Jadavian Clowney to the Rams. Yep, to the Rams. Yeah, I think that would be a perfect fit with him playing off of Aaron Donald would uh would really be great for him. Stone is a very interesting player to me. I think his playoff uh play could have a pretty wide um swing to what he gets on the open market next year. Yeah. You get another I, I interception or two in the playoffs, uh then you really are you really are in that double digit AAV range, I think. Yeah, I, I think that's possible. I mean, Stone is obviously he's he's had some problems with tackling this year that have probably held down his contract value a little bit, and uh, and we'll see uh, how that ends up. But I think you're exactly right. In three games, if he had two interceptions, and you know, it's always possible. This weather conditions will will certainly help. But he's exactly the guy kind of guy who exploits the overthrow, so it's a good uh, good situation for him. Yeah, I guess the last thing to mention, there was no mention from Gordon of either Kevin Zeitler or Patrick Queen. I guess Zeitler, I can understand he's getting a little older. He's, he plays Patrick Queen in the second team All-Pro, and he's not one of the 32 most coveted. Uh, could be uh, you know, a little bit interesting as far as the way some players are valued across the league. And then again, maybe this is just Gordon's opinion. Yeah, we'll see how the market plays out for Patrick Queen. I think some team will want him, and and it may be a case where there's a one A and a one B for some of these teams that really have cap space, and and there's somebody in that group that can afford Queen. Um, that we'll see, but I, I, you know, it's not obvious to me that Queen is going to get eighteen million dollars a year. He's another guy. I think you know, putting him on a national stage, and hopefully not getting him exposed by any of the three quarterbacks that remain in the AFC would go a long way towards. Um, solidifying his value because that's obviously that's been one of the problems for all these years is that Queen and his pass coverage uh, have been slow to come along. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so anyway, we'll see how it goes. But uh, I thought that was interesting 
I thought Gordon was probably going to go with Matabike. That's what everybody seems to peg as their number one guy. But you just you got to keep that offense at a high level, I think, uh, weaponry for Lamar with the offensive tackle, that protection, as, we, as we've seen with uh, even Houston. You know, they're in the second round. What are their best players? Offensive tackle, quarterback, wide receiver, edge rushers, and a corner. Um, and you can go a long way with that. Yeah. All right. Always a, always a pleasure to do this show with you, Vas. Tell folks where they can find your work online. I am at Vasilis Beatdown on Twitter X, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown, author and editor for Baltimore Beatdown blog. And I encourage you to also check out my other podcast called The Raven's Way Pod, at Raven's Way Pod on Twitter, streams on YouTube every Thursday night. All right. Very cool. Other folks out there who want to be on a film study short, hit me up. I have all kinds of stuff. Got a guy from Australia who wants to talk about what it's like to be a fan down there and what extremes you have to go to to watch games and whatnot. So I'm really looking forward to talking to him about that. Uh, and if you've got an idea, it doesn't have to be a super technical idea, but something you're passionate about uh, that might take 30 minutes or so, send me a few notes on it. I'll get back to you very quickly. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, uh, hopefully have a show boiled down that we can record uh, uh, similarly quickly. I'm looking for material for the offseason. If you have that piece, it might take four episodes to go. So I had one guy talk about evolution of rules in the game a few years ago, and he, he, what, he did four pods on it. Terrific, interesting stuff to talk about, and, and the offseason is the perfect time for that. If there's a pre-Super Bowl topic, hit me up as soon as possible. We'll have that two-week window. If the Ravens still go, it'll be a hot time to, to get a topic in, and I want to hear from you guys. For Vasilikos, this is Ken McCusick saying goodbye, and we'll talk to you next week on Friday Morning GM.